0: Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast.
1: Okay, you guys. So, if you follow along on Snapchat, you know I have been sharing my new and improved meal plan, which I'm very excited about because it's all anti inflammatory. I had major, major jaw surgery a year and a half to two years ago, and I'm still kind of swollen. So, I've basically put together all my recipes, tips, and tricks. Hacks, a what the fuck to do if you love carbs guide together in one spot. All you have to do is go to members.theskinnyconfidential.com and we are giving all listeners 20% off. Just enter the checkout code HIM and HER at checkout. That's all caps HIM and HER and you will love the meal plan. All right, let's get this show started.
0: The following program is a podcast1.com presentation. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for
1: some major realness. Welcome
0: to the Skinny Confidential. Him and her.
1: Uh-huh. Welcome back, guys, to the Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast. I am Lauren Everts, creator of the blog and brand The Skinny Confidential, and I have my lovely fiance, Michael Bostick here.
0: Well, we spent a bunch of money and went down to Mexico and had this huge wedding, so I think I'm your husband now.
1: Oh shit. I keep saying yep. fiance.
0: That's okay. Um Whoa. I, don't, <laughs> I don't mind. But you know, it uh, That I, is
1: like an honest mistake, too.
0: No, it happens all the time, but...
1: I know. Why do I keep calling? I called you my boyfriend the other day, and in my phone, you're under boyfriend.
0: Well, I mean, shit, if we're just going to do that, I mean, it could have saved me a lot of time and money and not had to go down to Mexico and drag all all of our loved ones down there and had a three-day ceremony and...
1: I needed my my moment, though. Beat
0: the hell out of our livers.
1: No, I needed my moment. So
0: we're back again. Here we are.
1: Michael's had a black pepper in his tooth for a whole week.
0: What are you calling me again? Like Polly Pepper or something? I'm
1: calling him Peter Pepper. Go on his Instagram and call him Peter Pepper. You literally still have the pepper in your tooth. Like, it's wedged so far up, I don't know what to say.
0: I've been trying to get it out. You should try a little harder. So what's been going on, fiance or wife?
1: Um... Last night, we had a going away party for Michael's cousin and my friend named Leah at Chapango's. and Michael had two sips of wine, and that was enough for him, and he was hungover today.
0: Well, I'm just, I'm done. I've been on a health kick, so.
1: Yeah, we're going out Can't hang
0: anymore. Ever since I turned 30, it's been downhill.
1: Yep, we know. It's been three
0: days, and it's been downhill. (laughs) Peter Pepper. (laughs) So today, we have a show that... uh, We
1: have a show. We
0: have a show. Um, that i 'm excited about a little nervous a little excited
1: you 're like a little sweaty today, are you like nervous about it i 'm excited
0: no i 'm excited um, so we 're having my dad on the show he 'll be on in just a moment
1: wait, let me back up we 're introducing your dad yeah
0: he 's never been on he 's never done any of our social media he 's never been on the show um, it 's crazy because you know he does have
1: a fake snapchat account that he watches on sometimes I yeah it 's called,
0: called jetbed. <laughs> i see it so yeah we've never had him on the show we haven't a lot of you guys haven't been introduced to him yet but
1: he's a character it's time
0: he's a character
1: and he'll the thing is is like we're going to introduce him in the show and then he'll come back on um we're going to go to europe this year with him and so we'll have him on then and we'll have him on a couple other times so you'll you'll get to hear his whole personality because it's a personality (laughs) All right, guys, before we get into the interview with Michael's dad, I am going to talk to you about Kopari Beauty again, because their line of beauty products are amazing. Their body products are some of my faves because they're no sulfate, no silicone, no GMO, and no parabens, and it's 100% organic coconut oil. You guys know if you follow along on a lot of my social media platforms, I balance my beauty like a checkbook and Kopari really helps balance it out. Um, Their coconut melt is just insane. It's like this ultimate multitasker. Basically, it's head to toe hydration and it takes your hair to the next level. I'm telling you, my hairdresser the other day asked me what I was doing differently and the only thing I've been doing differently is using their coconut milk. So definitely try that. If I have to pick one product though for you guys to try, I definitely would say it's Kopari's Coconut Body Glow because you can put it on your chest bones and your chest and it gives you like this perfect dewy like glow. I was wearing it in one of my Snapchats and you guys were like texting me over Snap and asking me what it was. And it just gives you, it's like not too oily, but it's like just kind of, the perfect dewiness. So definitely try that one if you're going to pick one. It also makes you kind of shimmer. So say hello to the best skin and hair of your life with Kopari. Go to koparibeauty.com slash skinny to get 20% off your order. That's Kopari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash skinny for 20% off. com slash skinny.
0: So before we introduce him, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with my dad.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm Heather Dubrow
0: and I'm Dr. Terry Dubrow.
1: Every Friday, check out my podcast, Heather Dubrow's World.
0: We also have a brand new show, the Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig Show, every Tuesday. So
1: don't forget iTunes and Podcast One. Tune in to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig on Tuesdays and Heather Dubrow's World every Friday.
0: This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. All right, we're back from the break, geared up, ready to go would like to introduce someone. I don't even know how. where do I start here. In a nutshell, my best friend, business partner, mentor, fountain of knowledge, and my father, Gary Bostick.
2: Hello, and it's nice to be on the show.
0: Welcome to the show, big guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is pretty interesting, never having done this sort of thing before. Uh, I understand why you guys would be nervous because for the first time I'm actually observing you and uh, making sure that you're not doing anything that I wouldn't do.
0: Mm-hmm. We, we probably are. Well, that, that anything you wouldn't do falls on a broad spectrum because you do a lot. <laughs> well, I would I would say that's a, a, a very
2: generous scale of, of conduct, but you know, I still look at you guys as as little little kids. Uh, that are still under my wing, even though you think you're not. So
1: Gary's known me since I was 12 years old.
2: Oh my God! I saw her, first time I saw her, uh, she was walking along by my son, and he looked like a like a dwarf next to her. She was the tallest girl in the class, and he was the shortest girl in the
0: class. Girl, i the a girl now. I've been referred to as a fiance and a girl. Okay. Well, I mean, a guy in the class. And
1: I had though. the biggest boobs.
0: I, I don't remember noticing that. I think
2: I think you were like. 12 or maybe younger.
1: I was 12, and um, I've known Michael's dad ever since then, and he's seen the ups and ins and outs and curves of our relationship.
2: Yeah, I think when I saw her when she was 12, I, thought, I looked at her, and I thought she looked like she was about 6'2", but <laughs> of course she wasn't. She was five, only, seven. She was only 6', but 6 feet. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I had
1: puberty before everyone else did, so yes, there's so. that. Okay, so Gary, introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Tell everyone who doesn't know you all about... The Gare bear.
2: Well, we haven't got. (laughs) This is not going to be that long a program.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, give us give us a quick summary. We know we don't have that. Let's let's hear a
0: little backstory. You're from a small town in Illinois. How did you end up living here in California? Well, it is a small town. I, I
2: my sister was out to visit us the other day. I left there in 1965, and the population has been steadily growing ever since then. It's now up to. 3,900 people. It's a gigantic metropolis. You could, uh, we flew over it once. I took uh, my kids and we flew over it and I was trying to, in our airplane, and I was trying to point out Marshall as we flew over it and <laughs> they missed it. <laughs> I had to fly back around
0: and circle it. I said, no, no, that's it right there. It's, that's it. <laughs> so Marshall, Illinois is the town, 3,900 people. How did you get, I know the story, but for those listening, how did you get here? How did you get to California, San Diego? Uh, I
2: joined the Navy. See the world. I joined the Navy and uh, went on a special program where we were supposed to go to boot camp and then uh, go to college at the Navy's expense and then give the Navy uh, a year of officer duty for every uh, year of, of college. Unfortunately, even though I scored rather high on all the exams, when I got to the boot camp, they discovered I was colorblind and not eligible to become an officer because you have to be able to see the red and green lights on ships. So rather than I I didn't know I could have at that time, say, wait a minute, the deal's off. (laughs) I just went into the boot camp, and I'll never forget that day as we walked through the gates of the boot camp, all the other uh, guys in boot camp were sitting in the windows, leaning out the windows, yelling, you'll be
0: sorry. (laughs) I never forgot that day. (laughs) Felt like, oh, my God, what have I done? (laughs) Well, life's thrown you a lot of curveballs, I'd say, and we're going to get into it in the show because I want to hear your perspective on that when life does throw you curveballs. But so, okay, you're in the Navy. You thought you're going to be an officer. You're not. You're enlisted. How was that experience?
2: Well, it's very interesting. You know, for an 18-year-old kid from a little tiny town in Illinois, it's, it's it's a way to get out of town if you can't afford college. And you don't know what you want to do i i didn't know I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up and i'm seventy two so I guess it's a, life is life is an experience, but you have to keep going forward just like I said when you, when I got out of at the boot camp was, I, I just looked at it as there was no going back i've always uh, if, if, if if I always advance and see what uh, comes up next.
1: Well, you have made three amazing children. And now I'm your other child. You can talk about later how I'm your favorite. But um, tell us.
0: You're the tallest.
1: I'm the tallest. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore, Michael Stoller.
0: <laughs> I got her by a few inches. I don't know. Not by much, but no, I No, you I got really
1: her. have made three incredible kids, and I, I want to know some of the values and the tips that you would give parents out there to instill, because I always look at you and Lisa's parenting. Lisa's his wife, and I'm envious of how amazing you guys have been and how great your kids are.
2: That's interesting, because basically about every friend we have told me I was doing it completely wrong because I always kind of taught my kids or treated my kids like little adults. I tried, rather than to try to tell them what to do, I tried to give them ways to figure out what they. I wanted them to do by their own desires. And so it, it worked pretty good. I talked to my kids. I think Michael would agree. Even from the time they were little kids, I talked to them like, more like adults than like kids. Wouldn't you say, Michael?
0: You no, know, Well, we've talked about this a little bit in the past. I said my parents never, you guys never babied me, I don't think like you never treated me like, you know, like you said, you never treated me like a kid. I always felt like we were having adult conversations. I always felt like I, they were being honest with me. I never felt, you know, it's funny. I, we talked a few weeks back that I've never done any drugs and it's not because, uh, it's, it's not because I didn't ever have an urge. It's because I was never curious about them. Like I always had conversations about th- that kind of stuff and drinking and partying. And it's not that I'm a square, but I just, there were certain things in life that I never felt like I had to go and find out for myself because I was, you would you always provided me examples like, listen, you can go do this. This is what will happen. These are my experiences. And if you want to do it, like, good luck, but this is probably what you're looking at. And so I always, I never had that urge to go and discover things. You know, I there's certain things I've done and there's certain things I look at and say, hey, that doesn't make a lot of sense because the consequences are dire.
2: No, I think I taught you that uh, I did a lot of drugs and. You know, that was the era in the 70s and the 80s. And every, I found that every time, every drug I ever did made me stupider. When I finally got as stupid as I thought I ought to be, I quit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, and we're going to get into some of these crazy stories because I want to I hear about them. And I think Lauren wants to hear about them. But I want to backtrack a little bit. So you're in the Navy. You get out. You're in, and you're land in Southern California from a small town. What was what was it like here back then? Because I know you've said it's, it's changed a lot. Oh yeah, I was live. It was, it was small. And, what uh,
1: year is this though? 1965.
2: Okay. Yeah, I got out. Oh. I actually got out of the Navy up in Bremerton, Washington. Our ship that I was on was up there for a yard repair, and uh, I'd gotten married at that time. I got married a few months before I got out of the Navy. That was a very short, like a trial. That's like a. A temp marriage I guess I was married for a couple of years no children no dogs no pets no alimony no harm no foul
1: a starter wife
2: yeah starter well sort of kind of yeah it was a, it it was a, a teaser <laughs> so, oh, God. for lack of anything a else, preview <laughs> a little, a preview <laughs> and then I waited a long 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 time till I was almost 40 to get married again to your mother
1: how did you know that his mother was the one
2: well, she wouldn't have anything to do with me, and I chased her and chased her till she caught me. I mean,
1: like <laughs> father, like son. You guys took, have similarities there. It took true. me
2: roses to once or twice a week, every week, for months and months. I think almost six months to get her to go to lunch with me.
1: I didn't get roses every week.
0: No. You were a lot easier.
1: Oh, whoa! No, I wasn't.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
2: She told me she was had a boyfriend and she was pretty serious about it, and he was going to get married, and that was it. And I said, nah, you're not. And she said, why, why do you think that? I said, because you'll nah. put your feet to sleep, and I'm more fun. <laughs> 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 <So, laughs> so, Want to go to Rio?
1: <laughs> so when she finally said yes, like how fast did it move from there to marriage?
2: Oh, well, fairly, fairly fairly, quickly, when she finally said, yeah, I think maybe six months or something like that. So
1: you convinced her real quick. Quite charming. Mm, it, yeah. once she
2: decided yes it was quick but it but it
1: took a while the,
2: the convincing was uh, not so quick
1: okay all right so you had to get uncomfortable to get comfortable
0: so you've done a lot of different things in your life but primarily real estate how do you make the jump from how do you how do you make the jump from <clears throat> young navy guy doesn't know shit from a small town doesn't have any money to real estate developer. Well, I you, felt like you could get away with a lot more back then.
2: Well, you could. But when you don't know shit, you don't know what you don't see the problems. So I just dove in. I said, if I knew then what I know now, I, I, would, have, I would have never tried it because I would have known it was impossible.
0: I think we've said that about everything we've ever done.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I didn't know. It was imp- but since I didn't know it was impossible, I did it. And it worked out. A friend of mine that I was in the Navy with uh, was in real estate, and he persuaded me that this was the thing to do. And so I did, and I, I started to make a little bit of money, and I kept putting deals together for other people, and one day I decided that since I was having to do all the, all the brain work to figure out if a project was viable, find a project, find out if it's viable, figure out how much it was going to cost, what the exit strategy is, I had to take a blueprint for an entire business plan to somebody in order to get them to buy a piece of land. Maybe I should just figure out how to buy the land and do it myself, and that's how we started. I had another partner that uh, had a few bucks, and uh, he was also a good businessman. And uh, we put our heads together, and we started doing buildings.
0: No, it's interesting. I mean, I think the theme of that is a lot of people don't make the correlation that – you know, you don't really need to have every single piece to start to put to start putting something together. You can start with a couple pieces and start kind of string them along as you go. And before you know it, you have all the pieces.
2: We didn't even know whether if there were pieces <laughs> we just started. Said, <laughs> so, Hey, here's a piece. Here's a we're sitting at a table with a jigsaw puzzle on it. And that's kind of like the way business is. You open a box of pieces up. And you start trying to find a corner and you just keep working from that point on. And when you open the box, you don't know if all the pieces are in there or not. You hope they are. And if they're not, well, (laughs) tough shit.
1: (laughs) By the way, you guys, Gary's analogies are incredible. So just like get out of pen and paper because his analogies are kind of my favorite thing ever. I want him to write a book called Garyism.
0: There's probably been on this show a lot of quotes that have been repurposed from things that I've learned from yes. you over the years, for so sure. There's, there's been a significant amount of plagiarism. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, shit. I grow up listening to all these weird analogies and quotes and things. Like it's gonna, you know, it's gonna rub off eventually.
1: How was Michael growing up?
2: Michael oh, was pretty interesting. He was, he was. You never quite knew what to expect next. He
1: like, was, give us like the full like rundown.
2: Uh, there are so many things I don't. I wouldn't even know where to start.
1: Well, start but when some, he was little. He was kind of kind of mischief, mischievous, always into mischief. Oh,
0: There's no. a story
2: I hesitate to even tell. He was. We were trying to teach him to be potty trained, and we got him potty trained, and then he decided he didn't want to be potty trained. Oh so my he'd, goodness comes, he'd, he'd come and get a diaper and go go over in the corner.
1: Whoa! Well, this, between that story and the pepper in your tooth, well, I this, feel is, like this, this is this is starting this is
0: starting off on a great on a great tangent for me. You can you can see now why I was a little nervous to bring you onto the show.
1: <laughs> Nothing like starting out with that story.
0: <laughs> so that's all I did. I mean, other than that, I was a perfect young man. I right? used
2: to go up and down. We had this we had this really cool condominium down at the beach, and it had a curved stairs. And he was just kind of learning to walk, and he learned how to go up and down the stairs, but not like. Most babies backing down slow. He just turned and and like like going down a log slide. He just zoom. <laughs> he go. He, you couldn't catch him if he if he if you chased him, and he got to the curving stairs. You're not going to catch him. He's quick. Uh, he's very quick. Yeah, he might go quick. Very, he's very quick.
1: He's quick in every sense.
2: Yes, he's quick in every sense.
1: Yeah, in every sense. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> oh, there,
0: there right. we go. Here we go.
1: Um. So so okay. (laughs) So when when he was in like seventh, eighth, ninth high school, like what was his personality? Because you guys had a really close relationship, and I remember when you took him to Europe, and he had this whole epiphany in Europe when he was in like eighth grade.
2: Oh God, here we go. We can start that, but I was going to say before we even before we did that. He had all these friends, uh, Rocco and Dante, and uh, I don't know, I can't even remember all their names.
0: The only reason you remember Rocco and Dante is because they still no, they work still
2: for us. They still work for us, yeah. And, and uh, what the, 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 uh, what's the cook? Uh, uh, Steven? Stevens, yeah, Steven. Steven Sandoval. Whoa. Oh, my God. And and uh, all, anyway, I don't get all He's the not names. not the best with names, you guys. Remembering names for you guys in the audience doesn't mean a goddamn thing, because you don't know who these people are either. They, know, they might know some of them. But they make movies. And, I, and I'd and go out and I'd look in the back room. They'd come and get my video camera. And these guys are out in the back room, backyard. We've got a big backyard. And they're making movies, Batman movies and Star Wars movies. And I figured he was going to be a film producer. And now he's sort of, this isn't film, but he's in into entertainment. Well, I've been slowly, I've
0: been slowly, you know creeping into the spotlight and I Uh, haven't told I think think we still have those tapes of those I know yeah let's let's hope I know they're here somewhere let's 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 not go let's not worry about those
1: so then you took him to Europe though remember when you had to go to Europe honey yeah why
0: that was one of the best that was one of the best thing yeah therapy (laughs) no my dad did not like the way I was behaving at the time and uh, we, we took a boys trip together, and it gave me some, a lot of perspective.
2: Now, Michael was in junior high school, and oh, he had God. the pants hanging down to his ass, and his hat turned on backwards and a baggy T-shirt. And so I, I decided I had to do something because he was turning into an idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. So I took him. I said, okay, we're going to go to Europe. And I, he says, "Oh, okay. Why? Because <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun." So you kind of like cars. I said, "I'm going to take you to the. I'm going to get you a tour of the Ferrari factory and the Porsche factory, Mercedes factory. Take you a lot. We we spent quite a lot. We went a lot of places." I said, "But if we're going to go, you got to do a couple of things." He says, "What's that?" I said, "Well, you got to get some pants that fit, and you got to get a blazer, and uh, you got to ditch the hat
0: on the back of your head." At the time, a blazer was like a. Oh no, no, for me. And he says, "I was going through a phase." He says, "Why?" I said,
2: "Because I'm going to introduce you to some really interesting people, and I don't want them to think my son's a dipshit." So <laughs> he did. He got he dressed normally, and we go to Europe, and and we we got to do a lot of things. But I we drove into we were driving into Paris, the first time we were in Paris on a bright sunny day, and he said, "Dad," I said what he's, I thought Europe was darker. I think he'd been watching all those Frankenstein movies and things.
1: Goosebumps.
2: But we did, we did a lot of things. He he met a bunch of different, uh, personally met Formula One drivers. He met. He, we went to the a, a Mercedes-Benz Museum. Well, let's
0: back up here. The, the, and the reason well, this is like possible. I will. I'll tell you this. Story, but the reason this is possible is because you used to go, you used to travel over these places a lot. And so you 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 met a lot of really crazy, interesting people over the years. So a lot of these people we met were just Guys you used to run around with probably in that era when you were not behaving. <laughs> well, yeah, we ran,
2: we, were, we were involved in with uh, a, a famous uh, racing team, Dick Barber Racing in a, in a, a limited financial way. And.
0: Wait, what the, what the what the hell does that mean? Limited financial
2: way. Well, we we put up we were we put some money into the team. He, you know, all these guys, these racing teams. Unless you know you're Donald Trump or somebody, they have sponsors. So we had some money in in that. So we went all over the all over the world, and we were in Le Mans a couple of different years. This champ, this. Team was the world champion Porsche endurance racing team in uh, 1978 and 79. So I got to know a lot of drivers, Nicky Lauda, guys like that. I don't uh, think Rob a lot Stallman of Stallman and uh, oh God, Johnny Rutherford. I can't. I can't even think of all the names that drove for that. So
0: team. was this? Did this? So I knew. I knew a lot of people. Did this investment pan out, or was it? How'd your racing team end up?
2: Mm, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a big investment. I mean, uh, my business partner had the money in it for the most part. And he got his... We, I'd say broke even, except for the expenses. We had expenses out, but we met... Yeah,
0: I'm sure those expenses were right on the books. Yeah, well, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> and so Did that's, you get
1: over our breakup when you went to Europe? Because that's the first so, time you broke up.
0: Uh, we, You know, that Europe trip was probably, I would say, one of the better things that have happened for me in my life. But not, not just because of the time we got to spend together, but because what the travel did to my field of vision and my perspective I had on the world. When I got back my thought process was just completely changed. That's when I, that's around the time I was always into reading, but I got much more into reading. I got much more into history. Um, I got much more into different cultures and languages and kind of figuring out and, and, and you realize like, wow, the world is a lot bigger than you think it is. And so it just, it kind of, it felt like somebody turned the lights on in my head. No,
2: you, you came back from Europe. You're a totally different person. I mean, you, your personality changed completely. you were more, much more grown up and much more, uh, Focused, You were just, a, just a, a much, much, much improved person. It worked so well. I, I took uh, each of my children, when they are about 14, I took them to Europe, and we spent a month or so and uh, went to a lot of different places, and it's, it's had a very positive effect on all the kids. You know, not everybody has the opportunity to do that, but to, for anybody that does, I suggest that my youngest daughter, Michael's sister, Tara, actually when she was 15 in junior high school, came to us and said, I want to go to Europe for a year. Said, yeah, right. You're 15. No, she says, I want to go on this AFS uh, foreign exchange student thing. And, and his mother and I looked at each other and I said, ah, we'd already taken her to Europe. I mean, she'd been over there, but like for a trip with us. And I'm thinking she's 15 years old. She's going to go to Europe for a year. But she did and came back a completely changed person. She's a. Uh, and then she went to, to uh, when she was a senior in high school. She spent six months in just outside Paris in a little town called Cheville, out by the uh, Versailles Palace of Versailles, and speaks fluent French. And now we're all learning French. Michael's learning French. He calls me up and he says, "Dad, I got this this website called Duolingo. It's not it's a it's an
0: app, but <laughs> it's an app. Oh, it's a website too. I guess so." You're right.
2: So he says, "Yeah, I'm learning French." So I got to thinking. Yeah. I'm not going to let him do that if I don't get to do that. So I've I'm been in French
0: it. school, though, too. I just had a class this morning. Oh, well, good for you. I'm still working on my computer. But I got a doctor
2: now. I got a new doctor that speaks French, so I spoke French to him today, so la-dee-da. Whoa.
1: You also <laughs> took me to Europe at 21.
2: We did. We took you to Europe.
1: And how was my packing situation?
2: Oh, God. We told Lord we got to pack light. One bag. light.
1: I've my, never been to Europe before. My
2: wife and I now, can we can we tra- we can travel... To Europe in one medium suitcase for the two of us, or two carry-on bags, and and have and have more clothes than we need because we, the lighter you travel, the better you travel. That's just the, the bottom line. Everybody takes too much stuff. But Lauren shows up, and sure enough, she's got one suitcase, but it it looked like one of those Louis Vuitton trunks, soft sided, but it must have been, I don't know, three by four by three, and it needed a dolly to pick it up. We ask, what the hell is in there? She goes, this? that is. And so we looked at it. I don't know how many pairs. She must have had nine pairs of, of tennis shoes exactly alike, different colors. Nine pairs of tennis shoes, different colors. We took the, – the limo was waiting to take us to the airport, and Michael and Lauren and my wife were unpacking her bag as, as fast as they could. They probably took 100 pounds out of it, and still, still it was unmanageable. We were shipping stuff when we got to – every, every place we went – we, we would take another big, another a huge if, amount of cl- stuff out Snapchat, of
0: and send it somewhere, send it on to someplace else or back to the United States. If Snapchat would have existed then, everyone would see a much different picture because I was so pissed off carrying this thing around <laughs> through airports. <laughs> Well, well, it was bigger than Michael. We went to. Oh, uh, we it went wasn't with, that bad. We weren't with you guys at this part of the trip. Lauren and I were off on our own, but we went to Venice, and I had to load this thing into the boat. Well, I think I, did, I think one of the drivers said I quit. Yeah, so, no, <laughs> no. So it was just me loading this thing. I wanted to. I almost just threw it in the in the canal.
1: I'm a better packer now.
0: No, we've we've figured it out now.
1: We've figured it out. I'm more efficient.
0: Only six pairs of shoes. Only the same color.
1: Only, no, here's Different what colors. I do now. I'm actually really diabolical about it. I only bring two pairs, and then I realize when I get there, I need another they pair. sell
2: them. Yeah, yeah so Michael like, well, needs <laughs> to go take
1: me to get a pair. So no, no. I've gotten smarter.
2: I I read once, or a guy said to me once, that the best way to travel is to take a small bag of clothes and a large bag of money. And you don't need, <laughs> with credit cards, you don't need the large bag of money. So just take a small bag of clothes. You're yeah, done. Yeah,
1: honey, give me your credit card. Um. <laughs> so, we're off this year to Europe with you. Um and are you excited for this trip? Oh yeah,
2: I'm gonna, we're going to have fun. I'm going to I'm going to meet a meet a friend of ours
0: over there and They know uh, the friend, Moose yeah. Knuckle. Who? Moose Knuckle. That's Moose <laughs> Knuckle. Is that is radio <laughs> name. <laughs> that's his radio, that's his, radio his
1: radio name, Moose Knuckle. Oh, Moose Knuckle. Well, Moose package. Knuckle, Moose Knuckle.
2: Alex. Moose Knuckle is in is in the car business and he's the, one of the companies they have is a Porsche dealership. So we're picking up two brand new Porsches, I believe a Turbo S and a GTS.
0: Well, hold on. Leipzig. So you guys are, this is where I worry because alex moose knuckle is supposed to pick up these cars and i hope that whoever Wait,
1: and alex works at the porsche dealership you have to he's the oh, he's a
0: manager he's the general manager yeah but so just to be clear you guys are supposed to bring these cars back in one piece to be sold i never that promised dealership. that yes I, I never made any representations of any type i said i would come on the trip and drive one of the cars yeah i'm we'll fully worried that, that these two cars <laughs> are not going to come back in the condition that they're supposed to that's why you have insurance Speaking, you just have to be sure you can look most of the big parts. <laughs> speaking of cars, there's a story, and it's really maybe irrelevant to this conversation, but I just think it's also very relevant because you used to play a game, and there's no, there's just no way in hell you would ever get away with this anymore. And this, you know, sometimes I'm happy to be alive in 2017 because there's so many great things in technology and Uber and you know Postmates, and there's a lot of stuff that makes life easier. But I also sometimes think, like, man, you can't get away with nearly half the stuff you guys got away with. Can you tell them the game you used to play in your cars called bump bump? It wasn't called bump bump. It was called unsmash. Unsmash. Okay. Yeah, unsmash. That's right.
2: Well, you have to understand that in those days, cars had bumpers, you know, big old chrome, huge rubber cushioned bumpers. So this friend of mine and I, we used to, we like, we always drove fast, and we liked to play this game We come up behind each other and just give them a little. You know, you'd be running along about 100 mile an hour and come up behind him and just give him a little like a NASCAR bump. Is you that know. a tap
1: at a hundred miles an hour? Yeah, well,
2: you're not. The, it's the relative speed. He was maybe he was going a hundred, and I come up behind him at about a hundred and one. That
1: sounds safe. just just
2: enough to give him a little bump, a bump. So we used to do that to each other all the time, and, and it was mostly fun when when you could catch the other guy unsuspecting. You know, you're driving along, I'm driving along the freeway, and I see him in his car up ahead of me. He doesn't even know I'm on the road. I just run up behind him and give him a little bump. <laughs> we used to do that all the time. We thought it was funny as hell. So we're over in in uh, Europe. And uh, that's that's how we got there, and why is as another long story. But to make a long story short, in this segment, we are driving through France, and we were in this big uh, rented Mercedes Benz uh, 450 SEL, which is a big ass car over there in those days. And we're going along the in France, and for for those of you who don't know, there's a little little car about the size of a Volkswagen Bug called a Ducheve, a two CV. It's a little Renault car. that's maximum speed's maybe 55-60 miles an hour. We're coming along down the road running about 120 and there's some big trucks up ahead of us and this little car pulls out from in between them and gets in the in the in the fast lane. So in Europe you you kind of blink your lights and people pull out of your way and if they don't then you you turn on your left blinker to say, "Hey, are you paying attention?" And if that doesn't work, then you flash your lights and honk your horn. And we're doing all that stuff, and the, these guys are looking out the back window and just laughing at us because they we they knew we were trying to go fast, and they're just puttering along about fifty. So, what they not letting you go around them? No, they 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 they're just staying right beside the big semi. Intentionally, or yeah, intentionally. So we're getting a little frustrated. So my friend said i you just get up there and give him a little unsmash. I said, okay, we'll do that. So I just c- kind of creeped up on there. but I couldn't hit him very hard. The bumper would fall off if he hit it with a, a badminton ballot. But I just pulled up behind him, and once I got the bumper on him, I started pushing him, and I pushed him faster and faster. We got up well over 100 mile an hour on this car that was, was – <laughs> This things look at they're made out of corrugated metal, and the, the doors are flapping, and the wi- the windows don't roll down; they just kind of open out at the bottom. They swing out, and the windows are flopping like bird wings. <laughs> We're pushing them down the road about a hundred. And after, I don't know, a couple of miles, I slowed down and let them get off the front bumper, and they pulled
0: off the side of the road. The way we went. (laughs) See, if you did that, well, first of all, those people are lucky to be alive. No, no, we've, that was really, (laughs) I know exactly what to do. Yeah, no problem pushing somebody down the road at 100 miles an hour that That doesn't want to be pushed down the road. (laughs) Well, it was fun. If you did that in 2017 you would be in jail faster than you can get off the freeway. Yeah. But it's no fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you're right. It is no fun anymore. We have political correctness. That's true. We do.
0: (laughs) I'm sure I would have been called all sorts of all those politically correct names. I'm sure you would have. And more. (laughs) So speaking, you know, speaking of 2017 and technology, you know, we work together now. We work together at JEPED. I think we make a good team. I think we've, we've done a lot. Um, how has technology changed and impacted business since you got started? Because I know when you got started, I remember growing up and looking at your work and you you had all these yellow pads and you had all these notebooks. There was wait, not wait, a computer. It still inside. does
1: have yellow pads so.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I just use them for drawing sketches and stuff for the most part. <laughs> making little notes. No, well we had when we first started, we had probably the first portable telephones, car phones. In San Diego. In those days, a a car phone was the size of a medium-sized suitcase, and they bolted it into your bumper, and you had the handset wired into your car. So did you have to talk into it in your trunk? No, you didn't have to talk to it in the trunk. You had a handset inside the, in the car. car it would be car. difficult to drive down the road no, but and, I get didn't, and get no, in the no. trunk. And, and I understand that. I
0: colors. thought it was like you had to get out of the car and open the trunk. But so you're no, saying, no, no, no. It, it had to,
2: a handset, but, what, but to make a call, you didn't dial a number. You just pushed a button, and it would blink, and it would blink until a central operator, until she, until the, a, a line would come open, and they would ask you who you wanted to talk to, or they'd, they'd connect you to wherever you're going. That was space age in those days. I mean— I think I think there were 25 or 30 San Diego was you know a million people maybe close I don't think there were more than 25 or 30 people that had those things at the time it was that was space age so we ran our original development company out we had boxes of uh, bankers boxes of papers and stuff and we were building buildings and keeping all the records in the trunk of the car and our offices were wherever our cars were and it was pretty cool we we built millions of dollars worth of buildings before we ever had a secretary or an office those things are just overhead, and
0: we didn't the, want any of that. The reason I wanted you to, t- to talk about this is because I think there's so many people now that put so many limitations on themselves in terms of getting stuff done. And it was, I mean, w- while you guys had less, I would say less regulation, there was a lot more hurdles that you had to go through. I mean, now if you want to get in the real estate business, you pick, up the, you pick up your phone or your computer, you Google a few things, you look at some properties, you pull up all the records, and it's done in, you know, 10 20 minutes. No, y'all had to do it all with shoe leather and, and and cars and we used to we used to
2: even in those days we used to get helicopters about once or twice a year and just go fly around to see where development was going on cuz flying around in a helicopter you could see the uh, you could see you can see, see in 20 or 30 minutes what you you, you couldn't see in in two two weeks or You see now people
0: just pull up Google Earth or Google Maps. Yeah, well, they didn't have that then. No, I know. But I I guess my point is, you know, when you think about how technology has affected your your current businesses and the industries that you've been in now. What do you—do you think it's been a good thing? Do you think it's made it easier, made it harder? What do you think?
2: No, I, th- I think I think that the government is gradually destroying the opportunities for young—especially young people, just because of all the regulations and restrictions. It's, it, you really couldn't do what we did in those days. I think I saw— an interview with the founder of Home Depot he said if he was starting out today he couldn't he couldn't have started Home Depot and I'm, I'm it, it's it's a shame because what you need to in order to be successful is to have an idea and figure out how to put it together and if everything you're trying to do in order to make your dream come true is is prohibited and restricted by regulations or has hoops that you have to jump through that are almost impossible and that cost money to do. I mean, the first building that I built, we found a piece of property. We hired an architect. We drew some plans. We went down to the city and got a building permit. And in less than six months, I'd say four or five months, we were building. The last little building I built took four and a half years to go through the government process to get a permit. That's crazy. But
1: I would argue with you that... I think that nowadays it forces you to get more creative to to reach your full potential, and not only that, that the internet has made it possible to not have to start maybe a Home Depot that's that's brick and mortar. Well, let's look at it, but go online. Let's look at it
0: from this level. Like if it, it, you know, thirty years ago to do what we're doing right now on this show, wouldn't it be possible?
2: No, and and I was I was referring to starting. I was I was qualifying my remarks, for example, specifically to becoming a real estate developer to building buildings there's so let me but, rephrase but, my question what you then. have to understand is the hard part is to get from the beginning to profitability at the beginning most everything you start is at least at the very beginning is not profitable so if you have, if 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 you're sitting there where maybe you can you could start something if the non profitable period of time is four or six months, you can survive that. But if the non profitability gets stretched out into years, almost no one who's starting can get through can last So you're, you're, you're
0: specifically talking about real estate and well, I don't no, even even in all sorts of businesses. I want to talk more specifically, not about regulation, but technology and what it's like for example when we do jetbed there's you wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do this business without the internet absolutely true so what i'm trying to point out is while things were maybe less regulated back then there's now some newer opportunities so what i, I guess yes. the, the point oh, i'm yeah, trying to make well is taken. there's a lot of people that complain because things aren't the way they used to be things are now and i think you're a perfect example of somebody who's who's evolved, who's evolved you're an older person you started in real estate, we've now we have Jep and some other things, but the business that you started in this market wouldn't have been possible when you were starting a long time ago. No, that's true. There, 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 there
2: are more problems, but there are also b- different opportunities. And to get to those different opportunities, you have to have a lot of knowledge, and you also have to to have nerve. I tell people the world's greatest idea never made anybody a penny.
1: I love that quote when you say that.
2: It's true. Think about it. That you have the greatest idea I've said in the this history many of times. man. Probably got it from you. And if you don't do anything with it, if you don't actually put it into effect, execution is where you make money. Ideas,
0: valueless, completely valueless without execution. I think there's a lot of young people that are kind of getting a slap in the face with that because they've, they've seen, there's so many stories of, Hey, this person raised this amount of money or, I have or an idea
1: for an app or I have an idea for a website. You know, I also think it's funny because I remember when I, when I had an idea for the skinny confidential, I never talked about it. I didn't talk around town. I didn't tell what I was going to do. I did it. And I think that, um, I think that I see nowadays a lot of people talking about their idea around town, but there's no execution in place. Yes.
2: Yeah. I, I've, I watched you do this. You did it. You, you did it. You, you, you were all execution. You just started doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. There's nothing that succeeds in life like perseverance mm-hmm. and determination and no and 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 not quitting
1: and keeping your blinders on.
0: So, yes. you, you know, this kind of leads me into a question I was going to ask you later, but I think it's relevant now. You've been through a lot of ups and downs made money, lost money, made money, lost money,
2: making money is more fun,
0: yeah, but you've also <laughs> been through a lot of personal up and downs. Um, what advice would you give to young people when things get tough?
2: I think the advice I would give them is the advice that almost anybody that's that's lived very long would would give the same advice as the old saying it's not how many times you're up to bat it's it's and strike out, it's how many times you get back up. it's it, or how many? I guess it's better to say how many times you get knocked down. It's not. It's not important. It's how many times you get up. You can't quit. You, determination is 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 the key to anything and everything. Of course, it's also a good idea to figure out if what you're determined to do is going to work.
0: <laughs> that's true.
2: So can Otherwise, you? I you mean, can, you can have a long and
0: determined life, <laughs> and and not do very well. That's true. But so, I mean, that's like you said. That's a some good blanket advice, but can you give, is there examples of times in your life when you felt like not getting up, but did, and now looking back on it?
2: I would say everything I ever did, there were moments when I thought, what in the hell am I doing? I'm going to quit this, but I didn't. Every, every single building, every single project, keep in mind that the deals that I did for the most part, I, I, I have great admiration for you guys that can figure out how to raise money publicly because I couldn't do that. I either had to get a single partner or I had to do it with my own money. I never, I never figured I, if I could have figured out how to raise capital, I I think I would have done a lot more things. But when you, when you're doing that, one of the ways you raise capital is to sign your name on loans. And I can't tell you how many times I've put everything I owned and everything I could borrow on the line and had to live with the consequences. And for the most part, uh, I won, but there was at least one time in the late 80s when I put everything on the line and lost everything and millions and millions and millions besides. And that was hard to come back from. But
1: And you had kids then. So you're rock, had, bo- had,
0: you're, you're, you're rock bottom at that time.
2: You yeah,
1: have I told, kids. I told my
2: wife if I could win the $5 million Publishers Clearinghouse, I could be broke maybe.
0: <laughs> so like, let's, let's dive into that a little bit because I want people to understand when you're that down and you're that far under and you've got a young family and kids and there's all that pressure on you. How did you like mentally? How do you deal with that? Uh, Very hard. It's, it's very hard,
2: very, but the secret, one of the secrets to that is whatever you do, do it honorably. Keep your word. Don't uh, weasel out and find ways to stiff your friends or uh, stiff people. You owe money to I, I, believe that uh, the fact that uh, everything I did was honorable and I got to, everybody got got paid out and I, I ended up making a lot more money again was because people trusted me. So if people trust you, they'll help you. But if they decide that you're not trustworthy, uh, you, then, then you're really gone. That's your reputation, and you only get one of those, and you've got to keep it no matter what.
1: Speaking of trust and integrity, you and your wife's relationship, I think, is based on the foundation of that.
2: Yeah, I would say.
1: What do you mean you would say you know, it is and I think you've given that trait to your son Which is why I'm so in love with him. And it's well, charming if, if, personality. If,
2: if, if you're if you're honorable and you don't do things that you don't want to speak out Have everybody know then then that's just the way it is. I mean, I I always treated people like I wanted to be treated. I wouldn't want my wife to cheat on me So I don't cheat on her
1: Guys take notes if there's guys listening in the audience Pull out your composition. Oh, not just guys, take a note. women, like, gr- too. And
2: girls too. No, especially girls are nasty.
1: Really. <laughs> 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 so, is there like an unspoken... Also,
2: the most jealous people are the people who are planning to cheat themselves.
1: <sighs> True. So, is there an unspoken thing that you and Lisa have done that's really worked for you? Is there a relationship tip that you guys have been together for how long? Well,
2: in my case, she's a second degree black belt in karate, and I would be terrified.
1: Yeah, she'd kick your ass. Yeah,
2: I'd, uh, there'd be no, there'd be no coming back.
1: And just so you guys know, his wife is hot. Lisa's hot. She is. She's very, very pretty. Um. So do and you? Mean? She's she has her boundaries. So. <laughs> So can you give us a relationship that's really worked for you and Lisa? Because you guys have been married for how long?
2: Uh, We've been together since 1982. Okay. Married, married for since I think we got married in 84, 83 or 84. I can't remember now. Okay. So long.
1: All right. So what's the relationship tip? What's one of the secrets?
0: Well, I always tell people it's because I'm hard of hearing.
1: (laughs) Say what you say. I know.
0: I've told this (laughs) story. You told me a long time ago. I said, dad, how the, you know, I tell this story all the time. I said, you know I love mom obviously, and you guys are still together, and I don't want you to be with anybody else, and it's great. But you know, people, women can be a pain in the ass sometimes. I said, I asked my dad, I said, "How the fuck you've been married so long?" And he said, "Son, I I don't speak and I don't hear." Actually, I think I my 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 daughter Jordan has uh, engaged
2: to a very very nice guy. They're not engaged. They're, are they're they engaged? engaged? Well, they they might as well be. Uh, Nico, you just got called out, man. Whoa. You the pressure is there. That's awesome. Sometimes sometimes they would get in some in some uh, fighting and I told Nico I said Nico I'm going to give you some really good advice he says what's that I said when you absolutely positively have to say something don't
1: Michael are you writing that down
2: <laughs> I've re- I've actually said that on this show I told you there's been a lot of this guy's advice mm-hmm. you shorten you shorten a lot of fights if one person just
0: shuts up and and just lets it go over your head just Shut up. <laughs> There's also some other advice you give. Shut me. up, Michael. It says even if you if you win a fight with your wife, you lose. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you you'll not, be
1: paying slowly. You'll, you'll be
0: paying for it in twenty years. You remember that fight?
2: <laughs> back in back in ninety seven? You do need it, to take you a couple of, notes on you that. Know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Just don't fight.
0: Just shut up.
1: Yep. So what's cooking good looking?
0: Me with my big box of blue apron.
1: Whoa. Michael made me the spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta. And I threw a little chili flake on there to make it spicy, and it was insane.
0: And don't forget about the sweet and sour salmon with the bok choy carrot and ginger fried rice.
1: Yeah, you guys, that's right. He thinks he's a chef. You can hear it in his tone. Ever since we've been getting Blue Apron, he just is in the kitchen. He puts his apron on. It's super creepy, but... Um, I got
0: my whole office on it, too. All these guys that didn't think they could do it. They're all... They're, you know, Dante was in the other day. He's killing it. Wesson was killing it. Taylor. Everyone's cooking up a storm.
1: I mean, it's just so efficient. Like, here's the deal. It's It's all like spaced out for you. You don't have to go to the store and buy all these ingredients. It comes in a box. It's cold. It's ready to go. The beef, the chicken, the pork comes from responsibly raised animals. And it's just, I just feel like cooking together is fun.
0: Well, one of my buddies came and said, well, why can't I just go to the grocery store and buy all the ingredients myself? I said, you can. It's really annoying to go and do that. You know, I don't have time to go to the grocery store. A lot of men don't have time. A lot of women don't have time. What's better than just having it show up at your door pre-portioned so you don't have to measure anything out, waste time. I just show up, throw on the apron. Act like Mario Botelli. I'm ready to go. I'm cooking up a bok choy. Don't even know what that is.
1: Yeah, you guys, he actually and it was good. wear an apron, though. It's really weird just because he now thinks he's a full chef. Anyways, it's affordable. There's lots of variety. It's flexible. It's easy. It's guaranteed. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. That's insane. With free shipping. Yeah, you got to
0: at least try it, you know?
1: Yeah, you got to try it.
0: Nothing to lose.
1: By going to blueapron.com slash him and her. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash him and her. Blue Apron, a better way to cook.
0: So, before we get going, I have a question, a big topic here on this show, or a lot of questions that I get is about reading, because I read a lot, and I think... You're one of the primary reasons that I read so much, or not? I don't want to say you're the reason I read because that I read for multiple reasons, but I think you're the no, person. I told who, you, to, I, told you I, I was. I was reading books to you when you're still before you were born. So reading, you read like I mean, you're basically a book with legs. Why is it so important? And what advice do you give to young people? Like why they should read?
2: Because the more you read, the more you know. The more you know, the the, the more the better, vision you have for what's around you. I mean, you, I've, I've, I honestly there there are people that I, I can't even begin to have a conversation with because they don't know anything. I mean they 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 don't they don't even know what they don't know. They have no clue about what they about anything in the world. That's why those trips to Europe and stuff was so so educational to the kids because they 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 got to see that there were whole civilizations, whole whole ways of life, whole cultures, that they had absolutely no idea even existed, let alone know anything about those things.
1: How often do you read? Oh, every day. Every day? Every day. How many books a week, if you had to average? Three. I always see you reading. Yeah. Well, and you read I, on your Kindle, preferably.
2: Uh, Well, now I read on my iPhone 6 Plus, because oh it's God, big enough to read, yeah, but or Nook. I, I might mainly read on Nook, not Kindle, but... Uh, only because the nook was connected with Barnes and Noble and they had a bigger variety of books, but I read everything. and If I if I if there's something that gets my interest, if if, if you guys Google, I mean you, you can Google a lot of stuff, but googling a subject is not the same thing as reading a book about it. It even doesn't need to be the nonfiction. You, you'll, you'll find so many incredible facts just reading fiction because the guy that wrote the book had to have some information in order to make the book interesting. You, you'll, you'll find out lots and lots of true things reading fiction.
0: I want to also point, like, you're not college educated. No. And you come from a small town. But you've had, you know, you've founded a lot of successful projects and, and companies. Oh, and I know a lot about a lot of things. I think the one correlation that I would make and the one observation I would make about my dad throughout my life, and this is where this is where the point I was trying to make earlier, what's rubbed off on me, is seeing somebody come from the the place that you came from and having such a wealth of knowledge in so many subjects i think that if you hadn't had read so much and handled things i don't think you'd have nearly the success that you've had
2: no no it's uh you don't need to be a specialist it's, it's better to, it's better
0: to know a lot about a little things than to be a specialist in something nobody gives a damn about the point is though you can come from any beginnings, any humble beginnings, and if you pick up some books and, and gain some knowledge, there's a lot that can be possible. And
1: execute. Yeah.
0: Execute, yeah.
1: So before we go, if we can leave the audience with one tip, like an overall tip, one of your best Garyisms, what would it be?
2: Oh, uh, Those things have to come spontaneously. I don't have one right to, to pick out right at the moment.
1: You have so many of them. You have to leave them with one. What's it your, could be... Penny, what's your it could favorite be a, one?
0: It could be a life tip. It could be... Uh, relationship tip. It could be a life tip is read the wall street journal every day.
1: Great tip. Why? I mean,
0: seriously.
2: I've, I started making my kids read the wall street journal and in I mean, just the front page, just glance at the front page. I'm not saying read stock charts and all that junk. You'll never people, unless you're, unless you're doing that as a specialized business, it's, it's that stupid information you'll never use for anything. But just read the front page, and then there's a column on the left-hand side that has a bunch of different topics. Just glance through those. Some days you'll glance through them, and there'll be nothing that really gets your interest. And sometimes there'll be several things that you can't learn enough about. And then always read the editorial page. I think it's the only honest newspaper in the country anymore. But if you would read that, I remember— I think Michael, I think when he was reading it, when he first started, and I think after about a month or so, he came to me, he says, dad, he says, well, none of my friends know anything. <laughs> yeah, That's <laughs> still none much them, true. None of them know shit still. <laughs> that's I think that's the exact word he used. I didn't think he didn't say they didn't know anything. I think he said they don't know shit.
1: All right. Well, Gary, will be back on when we're in Europe. We're going to have him on again.
0: And thanks for telling the story of me shitting myself as a kid. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, I thought it was important that your uh, audience knows. You couldn't things. have come in and been like, you know, Michael was just a great guy, like super ambitious, always smart. You had to come in with, he shits himself.
1: Yeah. I don't know how turned on I am between that pepper and your tooth and the shitting yourself story, but we'll have to talk about that, that later. If you not know that, you might
0: not have gone after him. No,
1: probably not.
0: <laughs> True.
1: All right, you guys, make sure you're subscribed to the Skinny Confidential, him and her podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Snapchat at Lauren Everett's and at Michael Bostick. Unfortunately, you can't follow Gary because he has a secret uh, pseudo Snapchat name, Um, but he will definitely be back on and make sure you're rating, reviewing, and telling your friends.
0: Thanks, guys. And thanks, Dad. See you next
1: week. Bye. Thanks for
0: listening to The Skinny Confidential Him and Her with Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick. Download new episodes every Tuesday at podcastone.com or subscribe now on the Podcast One app.
1: Hey, this is Richard Marks, the host of Song Talks right here on Podcast One. Listen right now to my interview with Jane Lynch. A Acapella? In this most beautiful arrangement. It was just By <gasps> the way, thank you for saying a
0: cappella not a cappello. Or, or avocado, some of the new Can you do that avocado?
2: Check out Song Talks every Wednesday at podcast1.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe at iTunes.